0: Well, welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Chad L. Coleman, Cuddy of the Wire, one of my favorites, Tyrese of The Walking Dead, and all kinds of cool stuff. Coming up, you have Bruno, Mannheim, and Superman, and Lois, and what I'm really interested in, the angry black girl and her monster. It's very cool to have you here.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: So, um, the angry black girl and, the, and her monster just premiered at South by Southwest. And for me, it's coming up at Boston Underground Film Festival, uh, end you know, of this month, I think. So, um, for people not aware, because there's not even a trailer out there, can you give us an idea what it's about?
1: Yeah, sure. It's a reimagining of the Frankenstein story through the eyes of a young black girl. And uh it's got all sorts of sociopolitical overtones to it. Um, it's a beautiful hybrid of of uh, you know, the gore, uh the staying true to the classic and yet infusing it with, uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like damn near it feels like the wire uh, too. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's an amazing mashup and uh, you know, you know what the scientist does. The scientist brings the monster to life. So she brings her brother back to life and everything that's happening. I play her grieving father, Donald, and he's grieving the loss of his son in the senseless way that you know violence in the hood and and um and she's brilliant and and saving body parts of the dead and sewing it together just like you know just like the Frankenstein story and brings him back to life and it's gory and it's deep and it's moving and it's thought provoking and uh Bamani j story uh put this together 7 years ago so you know, you might think it's Jordan Peel, but no, he 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 doesn't try to um go uh, fanciful with it. It's gritty and 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 it and it puts the issue in your face, but inside that genre for sure. And it uh, feels a little bit like Candyman and you know, a little bit of get out. Uh, but it's his own hybrid. It it's something that will stick with you like in the culture, there's a movie called Paid in Full. And uh, everybody loves it because it's so real and it, it has that kind of it feels like it's gonna have that kind of uh you know cult appeal and classic. It's an instant classic. It's it's incredible, man. It's 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 got everything. He was able to to stir up the alchemy in a way that you don't lose anything or you know, or it's stretched too far because of the genre. No, it's, oh, I had an ache in the pit of my stomach for more than one reason, you know. And it's got a beautiful performance by the young people in it. And Leia DeLeon De Hayes, she plays uh, the lead, and she's Queen Latifah's daughter. Oh, I Equalizer. didn't know that. Yeah, and she's also the voice, uh, or she was the voice of Doc McStuffins, uh, which is a, a, a children's show that, you know, she voiced the lead character that's, award-winning uh uh children's show uh so yeah man it's unbelievable we got um denzel whitaker in there who back in the day was um well he was in black panther and he was uh did the great debaters when he was younger and he's he's you see him playing uh uh you know the dude in the hood a heavy and he's killing that he's never really taking it on that kind of role and and then myself and uh Keith Holiday and then the the little kids in it are fantastic. It you it's something to see for sure.
0: Yeah. Well one of the things I like about John um you know horror and sci-fi is yeah on on the surface it's horror movie or sci-fi but usually um under that um you can talk a lot about social relevance and social um the social climate you know within the genre. That's right. That's
1: right. But his the difference is it's a harder oomph to it than I've seen it, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, uh, not completely, because Candyman, you know, taking place in Cabrini-Green, you know? Yeah. All, it's, it feels like some of that, that was true, you know, of what was happening. And, and so uh, that's a part of, I'm sure, I, I, something about it that just, it's something about it that just feels uh, a hybridly new, fresh.
0: Was that always the original name? Because if it was, I what went through your mind when you first see the title? Because the title is very striking.
1: Oh, I get it. A thousand percent. It's from the perspective of white ideology. How do you see a black girl angry? How do you see a young black man? A monster. They say it in the press and stuff all the time. So that's what that is a riff off of, you know, mm-hmm. and she's brilliant. And like, I mean, it's to see. She's taking the little girl through the hood and she's going, going through the element, tape, teaching her the elemental tables. And then she's telling her about young Afri- uh, I mean, uh, African-American scientists who have done things that haven't given credit for. You know, she's trying to empower the little girl. And then she goes into the damn some, a little, uh, abandoned warehouse. and She got all these bodies in there. And she's taking the body parts out thing, and she's sewing it together. And he shoots it where you see it. It's real gore, man. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan of Frankenstein. I have many Frankenstein things around here. But um, uh-huh. from what I understand, this is really told uh, through the point of the scientist, which uh, a lot of the other ones don't get into. And really, like the original story and the original movie, he was the the real villain of it, where the monster isn't really a villain. It's more of a
1: Exactly. Villain. And that is what th- when you see this, your heart is going to break form because, you know. He is a victim of the society he came up in. You get it, but he can't help but do it. You know, Mm -hmm. he's killing his own people. The same thing that happened to him, he ended up doing to to his people and his family. Me, he kills me (laughs) and that's my son. But then it's it's a powerful scene because he's in the house looking at a photograph of the family. He's grieving that part. He can feel it. But he's uh, you know he looks like leather face almost but it's crazy. And then I come and I'm saying he got a hoodie on and I'm like son wh- where you been then? Everybody thought you was dead. And then I'm like, oh. and I said oh shit <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Yeah. And I have to fight him. I don't even want to fight him. And he choked me out man. He's so strong the cops stop him and he breaks the cuffs. You know, and you know the implication of all of that. And he takes him out. Yo, man. It's a dope, dope movie, man. It's so right now, so relevant.
0: Now, did you get, were you at South by Southwest, or have you had a chance to see it with an audience? Yeah, no, I was there.
1: Was oh, the sweet. premiere. All of us were there together, all the cast, and we all get along so great. It was a very moving experience, and and I even had my boy, um, uh, Glenn Howerton as my plus one with his wife from Always Sunny. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, he 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 came. He really enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. It was very powerful, very powerful.
0: Now you cut. Now you, you mentioned The Wire, which I'm a huge fan of, and uh, and also obviously uh, The Walking Dead. So you got horror, and you know, and and the yeah. gritty thing. So I which, was. Mad- Played apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a combination of the two here. So uh what was it that like when you read the script, what was it that really interested you? Was it the combination of the two? Or
1: yeah. And and I it's like you know what Lynn Manuel was able to do with Hamilton. It's a reimagining of something. I find fa- it's fascinating to me to see somebody take a class, and reimagine it, and infuse it with the culture that you know, and have a serious social commentary to it as well. It, that's why it's yeah. like, it was like a hell of a mixtape. You <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which I, I'm of an age that, that I remember mixtapes. I know maybe some people listening, you know, right. they'll listen yeah, to a Spotify uh, track or something. but yeah. That's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, if you don't know, go back and you'll see. It's just like that and one mixtape uh, show about basketball and the music. And I had it all fused together, and you know, it was cassette tapes and stuff. So yeah, man. But this this has that kind of feel to it. It's just incredible.
0: Now, had you ever did you know the uh, writer director beforehand or did no?
1: You- no, I only knew once I was told about it. I knew Denzel Whitaker was in it, and he and I worked on a personal project of his before. So um, I just called him, and and he confirmed what I thought was true. So. He's like, no, this dude's a genius, man. He's a young guy. He's gonna be on fire, and this is gonna be a heck of a movie. And I, and I trust his artistic taste, and I was like, I'm all in.
0: Awesome. So, uh, and it's coming out later this year on Shudder and um, and cool All Black. TV. But I would suggest seeing it because I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the theater because to me that's the best way to see a movie.
1: Yeah, the producer said to us today, uh, yesterday, that it's we're only a couple of days away from a release date because uh, it did so well. Uh, yeah, and then we're gonna play, like you said, we still be playing some of the festivals as well.
0: Yeah, so that's very cool. So, uh, the Walking Dead. Now, are you a horror? Were you a horror movie fan at all before doing the Walking Dead?
1: Yeah, yeah, but my my like my favorite was Alien and The Thing. That was my favorite. Yeah, I'm a huge um, fan of both. but I love Saul, you know, too, and uh, yeah, I watched all the classics, the werewolf, Frankenstein, you know, I, I watched all those as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I was definitely a fan.
0: So, um, what was that like, though? Not just the success of the show, but it became such a big part of the of pop culture. You know, actually mm-hmm. being in the show. What was like that rise of the show like? To be part of it.
1: Um, and, and there were times when it was like overwhelming, larger than life, and all the Comic Cons and San Diego Comic Con and the Talking Dead, and you know, um, it it was uh, it was a thrill ride, though, man. It was always about the people, you know, and the people that you're working with. Uh, these were incredible human beings, uh, you know, just amazing, smart, funny, you know. Uh, and just super talented. So it felt good to be a part of it, man. You know, fellow little rock stars, you know, sometimes. And then all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. I've been able to go to cons all over the world. Yeah.
0: And I, I'm a big zombie fan since a kid, you know, like I love Dawn of the Dead. It's probably my favorite. Night of the Living Dead's probably mm-hmm. the first movie I remember seeing. But it was weird to see like zombies become mainstream. Like they'd sell like little kids, lunch boxes and, and shirts in Walmart with zombies on. Cause when I was a kid, like there was nothing around like that uh, Mm -hmm. as far as zombies. So that was a really weird phenomenon with the walking dead. Like all ages would watch it and it just became mainstream.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. Um, You know, no one saw that coming that, uh, (laughs) excuse me, that the demographic could be uh, so Vast, but uh, you know, it was a zeitgeist that that just struck. It took Frank Darabont like seven years to even get it going. So, um, and then it just it took time for it to, you know, uh, marinate and get momentum. So, by the time season three came around, you know, it was start to it was starting to its rhetorical rise. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. the podcast since 2005, and I used to talk about the comic book, and I was like, "This would make a great show because it's it's got so many wow. good characters." I never got a cut or anything, but it, it turned out. <laughs> I, I never...
1: Well, unfortunately for you, Frank Darabont was thinking. Uh, yeah, I, I just
0: scooped around, but yeah, that
1: guy, I know, I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but um, um, at a panel once, I um did the the cast of *Dawn of the Dead*, and Ken Faree said it actually hurt his career at that time because. People saw, like, the zombie films, like, one step above, like, pornography. And he said, you just talked about how different it is today. Like, you know, people, you know, this is, an people are actual actors. And just they look at horror so different than they did um, when he made Dawn of the Dead.
1: Yeah, well, that's very interesting because, you know, Greg Nicotero and, uh, you know, those guys, they were back with with, uh, with uh, Night of the Living Dead, I think, is the one they, they had worked on. Yeah, the, on, the, the Savini
0: remake, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. so. Uh but that's where they had cut their teeth, you know. But it's all, you know, you know, the society, the per- perception, perspective changes, you know. Uh there's certain movies that came along that, you know, just changed the way people perceived it and uh, you know, paved the way for this to happen, you know. Yeah. For for that and and you know, and all the spin offs and everything. Uh but it's also uh social political. Definitely. huge way how people relate to each other in horrific circumstances, too.
0: Yeah, so. And it's really the characters, because I remember on social media, people would get legit upset when one of their favorite characters would die.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it was huge. It was very, very real for people, and they grieved the loss, and I had a lot of people grieve the loss of uh, Tyrese, and uh, still to this day, uh I have a strong affinity for the characters, so um, I appreciate that it lives on even after death.
0: And I uh, honestly, your, your death scene is one of the most, um, emotional, uh, scenes in the series. And that was yeah. done really well. What was that like to play? And also when you find out that your character is dying, is that, is that hard? Like, Oh, not only am I leaving the show, but you said like all the cool people.
1: Yeah, no, it was very hard. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know it was going to happen, but I also understand some other things that I'm not going to get into. But, uh, uh, um, yeah, no, I didn't expect it was time to go, but Scott kept asking me, I need you to come in. And when he said it, I was laughing. I thought he was joking and then he teared up. So I knew it was real. And then I just kept saying, okay, okay, all right. Okay, okay. And then he described what the episode was gonna be like. And I'm like, let's go, you know. Uh, hey, I've been around a long time. I knew in one respect when they, when they string a Bell off of the wire I said, any any show could kill off, you know, it can happen. Uh, that's a part of the deal. So, uh, so I love my final episode, and uh, I went out just the way I wanted to go out, and uh, it was an homage to that character and uh, the man he was and how he cared about the community and his sister and, you know. So it was heartfelt, and uh, yeah, that's it
0: uh the wire obviously a uh, great show um what's weird about it unlike a watch so you're walking dead it you know it's it's huge at that time and the wire uh people who watched it loved it but it didn't really get its audience till later and it's weird how it's over the years people really have found it and um i think it's more popular now than than it's ever been yeah
1: that's the case 20 years later how about that um uh, you know, it was groundbreaking. So anytime you have something that's groundbreaking, uh, it's going to take people a period of time to catch up. They're, they're not used to it. And um, and it also is kind of anti-Hollywood and anti-commercialism. So, you know, not even from the standpoint of marketing or you know, things of that nature. You know, they weren't like all in a thousand percent trying to spend so much money to win awards and things of that nature. So, you know, it found itself the uh, uh, the good old-fashioned, honest, word-of-mouth-like way. And uh, and it stands the test of time because of the substance. And uh, all the birth children of it are the shows that are on all these streaming networks now. Yeah, all those young I think- folks looking at that and then wanting to produce, even you know within their own subject matter, but be able to tell stories that way.
0: Yeah, I think Sopranos gets a lot of credit for that, which obviously it deserves, but Oz and The Wire were the first shows um, that really started the whole new how TV's done, you know, the, the long form right. storytelling and, and a lot more well, adult it's also,
1: things. That's right. And it's also because when you're dealing with the mob and the mafia, people already are all in, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was. So yeah. A, uh,
1: yeah, no, it's well, you should be. You know, you just said. Hey, why can't we put him on a couch? You know, and come on, you know Tony Soprano. I mean, James Gandolfini was brilliant in the role, and so were all the other actors. It, you know, it was a, it was an amazing undertaking, but it already has a certain built-in commercial appeal mm-hmm. because it's always the subject matter has always been taken on that way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all of all of the movies. So people, if you say I'm going to do something mob oriented nine times out of ten you got millions of people that are gonna just tune in anyway. So mm-hmm. ours was the little engine that could. You know,
0: yeah. could also, uh really well both shows in their own right. But uh the rise of the anti-hero I think in television. Or at least like um not everything's black and white. Um it showed not all the cops are, are good, not all the the people on the streets are necessarily bad. And uh to me that was very it was good storytelling and very powerful to watch. That's
1: it, yeah, yeah. That's the gray. Most of our lives are gray.
0: But what, what, what do you think the reason why? Not just because it's a good show, but why did people start seeing it now? Is it? I, I think maybe part of it is uh, it's easier to binge watch something with DVR and on demand.
1: Um, I think they're getting, it's a, it's um reverse engineering. They're watching other shows like breaking bad and stuff. And then somebody saying, but you, ne- you never saw the wire. You got to see it now. Yeah, I'm one of those and people. So <laughs> yeah. And it's easier to watch now because you already understand long form. Take your time. You've already been introduced to the, to the, to that style. So back in the day, people were like, what? What is this? Well, tech. then, you know, it was all that trying to understand what you're watching. But you watch the birth child shows and when you circle back, it's not hard to watch The Wire that way. That's yeah. why it has, it was ahead of its time. Now it's right on time.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, Bruno Mannheim from uh, Superman and Lois Um, I actually heard a little interview where you talked the same kind of idea that it's a great character. You don't necessarily consider him a villain. Um, When you play a character like that, do you always look for the humanity of it, even if it is, quote-unquote, a villain?
1: A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And it's there. It's right there. It's his family. It's his family and the community. He really does care. And uh, to be able to revitalize a community that those who are in the power and the know don't give a crap about, It's huge. So there's something to be said for this self-made man and and the lives that he's impacted. And you want to talk about tactics and the way people go about doing things. There are plenty of powerful people who do questionable things. And it's almost hard to even (laughs) be that kind of power and politics and not be involved in something that can be considered questionable.
0: What are your thoughts on the rise of superhero stories? You know, being—I uh, mean, even even the uh, Walking Dead came for, from a comic book. So, what do you make of that? The rise of um, you know TV and movies being made from comic books.
1: Um, I think that it—it it, it was. We all have some kind of personal investment to a certain degree, you know, with that type of escapism. You know, uh, very few people haven't been touched by it in some way. And so to kind of update it and make it more social, politically grounded and real, it's like the kid and the adult get served what they need. So it's the right kind of hybrid. So as a kid, I wanted to escape. Now, as a man, I want to deal with stuff. So they put the two together. And and I think that and then again, what's that demographic? I go with my son. My son is nine. I'm 56. And we both love it. We both love Ant Man too.
0: I, I loved Ant Man too, number three. Yeah. so yeah. Um Yeah, so you, you see what I'm saying? That
1: that's that's pretty much uh well it's 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 a it's a great uh mashup and, and tweaking. Not that it wasn't doing that, they were mm-hmm. taking that on. Stan Lee was, was looking at that. And a lot of these dudes, they were bullied and they were, you know, they came from uh circumstance where people just said, You you a nerd and you know. But, but now nerd is sexy and cool. You know, it wasn't back then. So that's part of it, too. Like, you don't have to hide the fact that you're into this thing now because it's, it's such a phenomenon with, with a lot of different layers to it that just serve many different people for many different interests.
0: Yeah. Let's well, interesting you say because i you know i grew up playing uh, dungeons and dragons and watching obscure horror movies and in chess clubs so definitely wasn't cool but now that's kind of cool but i was reading about you know how you got into acting at a young age was that hard for you not just to learn acting but like what did your friends think when you're pursuing you know the arts was that something that they uh, didn't uh weren't cool with or, or yeah made fun no you for? i don't
1: know yeah no i hear you. No, no, uh... When they saw me on that stage, everybody was like, whoa, oh wow, you have a lot of talent, you know. So people were supportive. Uh yeah, it wasn't a lot of pushback. Uh the pushback was that uh bullies were jealous that I was popular. You know, uh that was mo- mostly the pushback, but I was one of those dudes, like if you identify that somebody could play ball or, you know, that you you get behind them, you know, the, the, the community was behind me in my talent.
0: Oh, good. Did you still like uh, keep in touch with anyone from like uh, back in those days? Yeah, sure.
1: I-, I go home all the time. I go home. I go home for, for either uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas every year, and I work with organizations in Richmond. And my brother's a minister in in Richmond, and so Richmond, uh, Virginia. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, still connected on Facebook with some of the people in my class as well. You know. Yeah, one of my first girlfriends, she's in the industry, Tamika Lammison. Uh, we we were we acted together as young folks, and uh, she's in the business in Hollywood, and we're still tight, so yeah. You
0: know, I just want to bring this up because when I was looking up uh Bruno Mannheim, because I wasn't familiar with the character, his nickname in the comic book is Ugly. Now, did you have any issues when they were like Chad Coleman is perfect for this guy that's nicknamed Ugly?
1: <laughs> that was never brought to my <laughs> <perspective>. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. No, no one ever said that. None of the producers, nobody ever said that. But that's cool because it ain't looks ugly. It's like geeky. There get you ugly. Go. There you go. You ain't going <laughs> to like it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So you won't go be yelling at any uh, producers or anything right now.
1: <laughs> no, we're good. I get it's ugly in a different way.
0: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I'm honestly really looking forward to, not just because you're here, I'm really looking forward to the angry black girl and her monster. Um, so I would recommend trying to see it on the big screen. That's how I like to watch a movie. But if you can, I know not everyone can get to uh, festivals. It'll be on uh, later this year. I think you said pretty soon on Shudder and All Black, so that's cool. And um,
1: no, Crip TV is the producers of it. Yeah, so. that's
0: yeah. That's their uh, first but, feature film. Because uh, for right. horror fans, they do all, all the shorts. That's right. That's right.
1: So it's 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 an exciting endeavor, and they're ready for the moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, this was very cool. I'm glad uh, you came on the show. Me too,
1: brother. It was fun talking to you. I think I think I'm gonna see your ugly face
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, I don't like yeah. to make the show about me, but I do have my first feature film is playing festivals too. It's been a very exciting time for me. Oh my god, what's
1: the name of it?
0: Uh, so it's two movies they play but they play together. The Once and Future Smash which we kind of say is sort of the, um, well, it's a mockumentary about two um, older horror actors who both take credit for the same horror uh, slasher film in 1970. Um, And and then we've actually made at first we were billing it as an old movie that we restored, but um, we've been doing interviews out of character now. So we actually made the 1970 movie that we talk about, and they play back-to-back, End Zone 2.
1: Did you ever meet Mike Caravella uh, out on the so he had the Astral Plane Drifter. A I short don't
0: think
1: call. so. Oh, okay. Because I feel like he would have ran into you. That's fantastic, man. Congratulations, Thank bro. you.
0: Sweet. Thank you. It's been, I, yeah, I want to check it out. I want to check yeah, it out. Yeah, just actually right before the interview, I just got the notice. We're going to play fan, uh, Panic Fest, which is a big horror festival. So I'm excited about that. Congrats. Congrats, bro. Thank you. And I continued success. I've been a big fan of yours, not just cause like you're here, but, uh, I've, I love the wire and I've, uh, any, it's really weird because the, the wire, anytime I see anyone from the wire, I'm always excited. Cause I love the show and it's like, Oh cool. You know, they're continuing to to do well.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And a couple of us are in a, in a, in our own little, uh, unique club, like me, Seth Gilliam, and, uh, and uh, Lawrence Gilliard, we we're the only three actors that were on both of the the Wire and The Walking
0: Dead. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. So right. it, the good. journey is the journey is fun. I'm a, I'm a it's getting bigger and better all the time. So I'm happy that I stuck it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if people want to follow you, I can assume they can just put in Chad Coleman and they'll find you. At,
1: it's at Chad L Coleman on. Uh, Instagram or Facebook. My my Twitter account is screwed up right now. I'll get it together. Oh. <laughs> will get out there too. And I'm on TikTok as well. That's what. Oh, I'm very good.
0: About. I just got on TikTok yeah. myself. I thought maybe I was too old, but yeah. No,
1: nah, I and I know my numbers ain't running up because I'm not <laughs> doing those dances and stuff, but you know, I mean, how do you I'm have to doing the create challenge or anything yeah, I gotta, I gotta engage it differently. But you know, four hundred thousand followers on Instagram, and and how does that translate to like four hundred on TikTok? <laughs> Where are my people at? I don't know what's going on, bro. It's yeah. okay though. It's <laughs> all fun, man. I don't take it all too serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 just a way I, I get an opportunity a platform to to share thoughts and feelings, laughs, you know, whatever. That's all.
0: All right, very cool. Thank you, man. Yes, indeed, brother. Have a good one now. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye.